Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Love is Everywhere, the podcast. Uh, the show where I give comedians assignments of things that are supposed to make you happier and then we talk about it and we find out how it went. Uh, today's guest is Elizabeth Bailey. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Um, her assignment was about connection with others, about telling people how you feel about them. You love somebody, you tell them. You tell them why. It's an important thing. It's one of the things that's supposed to be like the most boosting to your happiness. It's uh, connection with others and gratitude all at the same time. That's just like a, a speed ball of love, you know? Uh, <laughs> what a weird thing to say but I said it um, if you want to support Elizabeth in general um, she runs a fantastic weekly show here in Toronto at the Emmett Ray it runs every Wednesday at six o'clock it's called Size Up Comedy uh, it's one of my favorite rooms to perform in in the city it's such like a warm and supportive audience um, and she just uh, cultivate such a wonderful vibe in that room and space so go and check her out there uh, if you want to support uh, this podcast in general you can like uh, subscribe uh, you can rate it you can approach a crying baby and ask them if they're crying because they haven't listened to the podcast yet um, do whatever you want you know meet a new baby uh, <laughs> in the meantime please enjoy this conversation with elizabeth bailey Tracy Hamilton. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. What a thrill. Uh, we start with an honest how are you. So how are you for real? I feel ugly today. Yeah? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I have dry, blemished skin and I feel like for some reason if I don't have good skin, it's like, well, it's a direct reflection of my moral character <laughs> for some like reason. Like it throws off the whole day? Yeah, even though I don't, I wouldn't think that way about looking at anybody else's skin, but... I feel like that's pretty common, though. Like, the way that you feel about yourself is different than the way that you'd feel about other people. Yeah, totally. I've been sleeping in my makeup a lot, so I feel Ooh. you on that dry skin. Yeah. No, I uh, I was traveling, so I think, I think it's that. I think it's coming back to the dry cold. But, I mean, luckily it's a podcast and not... Um, not a visual medium? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't need to tell anyone. I could have just said <laughs> I look great. We appreciate your honesty. Yeah. So, I yeah, I feel ugly and I feel, uh, I don't know, I feel nervous about opening up. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> but I feel like that's really natural. And you can open up as much as you want or as little as you want. I feel like I should go into this with a more positive, upbeat attitude. Uh, <laughs> no, for the listeners. Okay. <laughs> for the, dr for the, what do they call it? Drive time radio. Let's treat this like a drive that's, time radio. That's what we show. are for sure. Yeah. Hey, it's four thirty p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> the highways are jammed out there. They're jammed. I could bring that kind of energy. No, I don't feel okay. like that's the love is everywhere energy though. No, bring your authentic energy. Okay. And I would rather you say, "Hey, I'm feeling nervous about opening up," than just be nervous and not say anything. Yeah. So you're like afterwards, you're like, "What was her problem the whole time?" Yeah. All right. Should we just get into your assignment? Sure. So uh, your assignment was that you had to pick somebody who you are thankful to have in your life. Mm -hmm. And then you had to tell them why you appreciate them. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate, by the way, that uh, the category that you chose was connection with others. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, almost no one ever picks that one. Everyone else feels 100% connected to others already. They're like, <laughs> that one's a check mark off my list. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like people are most afraid of that one. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I really, it's an important one for me. Um, yeah, no, it was a good, good homework assignment. I chose to do it with my partner, especially because I'd been away for two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we just had a first week back together. But you know, as I was doing it, I realized uh, one uh, good habit that we've been in for the past couple of years is talking about each other and our relationship when things are going well. Because I feel like people only talk about their relationships when they're in crisis or when they're in conflict. Yeah. And it's a good habit to be in, to be like, things are really going well. That's this a is the happiest really good been point. In. Yeah. So... Just because I'd been away for so long, it, it was a really natural uh, opportunity to come back and, um, yeah, tell him I appreciate him and all the 
all the things I like about our relationship. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's something I should put into practice with other relationships in my life, too. But I feel like romantic relationships are the only ones where you think about uh, maintaining the relationship. Yeah. Every other relationship you just kind of take for granted, or you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did know somebody who was in therapy with her sister to have a better relationship. <coughs> oh, really? But people don't really do that. They either do, like, couples therapy or individual therapy mm-hmm. or something like that. So, uh, yeah, other relationships, it's easy to just let them take their natural flow. And yeah, not. and just kind of put them on autopilot. Mm-hmm. But whereas you're habit. kind of forced into regular maintenance of a romantic relationship yeah but usually only if you have problems but it's good to do it when things are when things are going well i really like that you said that because i think that that's a really really good point Mm -hmm. of like uh you can get into the habit in a romantic relationship of only talking about the relationship when there's problems or when there's something that you feel like needs to be addressed (laughs) or things are going to take a turn Mm -hmm. Um, but it's equally important to be actively telling somebody when things are good Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I mean, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm being that a-hole that went away for two weeks and is just constantly bringing it up. I was traveling. (laughs) uh, Even just something like I, uh, you know, I told my partner, like, I uh, have to go on this work trip. I'm going to take a little bit of a holiday after. And and then uh, he, he was like, yeah, cool. And then I realized later, like, other people don't feel like they're allowed to go on vacation by themselves if they're in a relationship (laughs) so i'm like first of all that i knew that that was fine and yeah i can have fun without you and i can have fun with you and then uh and then yeah it's easy to appreciate someone when you miss them i think it's really important to have your own life when you're in a relationship and not just meld together completely Mm -hmm. because you're right like there's something to having the opportunity to miss somebody Mm -hmm. yeah um and also just uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that it's healthy for any two people to be too enmeshed and only have each other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like it's important to maintain friendships and stuff like that. Like, uh, I have a lot of friends who do this, and like I've been guilty of this in past relationships of just kind of disappearing into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we all have that friend who, like, when they get into a relationship, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna see you for like a year. Oh yeah, <laughs> I that's so typical with your first serious relationship. Oh yeah, you know? so. For me, this is my second, like, serious long-term, like, my the second, like, love of my life, I mm-hmm. guess. So you really do come into that more of a fully formed person, whereas, like, when you're younger and you meet that person, you're, like, growing up with that person. You are shaping yourself yeah. around. Like, you really are developing who you are. Um, so you come into, like, any subsequent relationships a little more fully formed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've been in a, a good habit of doing that the past couple of years. Just talk, taking time out to talk about our relationship when things are going well. And, um, I don't know. What, how long have you been together? Seven years. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> have you always been like that? Like always been really open about when things are going well and making a point of addressing that as well? No, I, I guess we spent the first year of our relationship not talking about anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not, not. Uh, not asking anything of each other, not defining our relationship. And it was just all about like secrecy and not being honest about uh, our feelings or my feelings for sure. So I think when you just spend a year like that, you're just like, okay, <laughs> now let's talk about it. And um, yeah, so it's it's been really good. But it made me think about where could I really apply this to other areas of my life i did think about doing it with my mom too mm-hmm. and i saw her yesterday but then we were just chatting so much that i was like going out the door and i was like oh i'm supposed to tell you all the reasons <laughs> i appreciate you she just kind of laughed at me and uh but maybe i'll do it next time yeah we see each other do you feel like are you a pretty open person in that way with other people in your life aside from your partner like generally in friendships and familial relationships no i get more and more closed as i get older yeah yeah, I feel like I used to be too open. Mm. I used to be an open <laughs> faucet running constantly. Yeah, no, I, I sort of get more and more reserved, and I sort of enjoy... I used to really like talking about feelings and stuff, mm-hmm. and now, um, now I don't. What do you think changed? I think that I just used to just feel too exposed all the time. Mm. 
And uh, also, I don't really have like a, a lot of ex extreme emotions you have when you're young. I'm more even keel now, or like to think so anyway. That's true. You're it's really tumultuous, like just big waves mm. <laughs> when you're young. I have, um, you know, a friend I've become really close to in the past year or two years. Someone else in the comedy scene, Carolina DG. <laughs> Check her out. She has a show at the Piston. But um, she's so. We just became fast friends so quickly and she's so open with her feelings and she she uh she was just say I love you so so easily. Mm -hmm. Not just to me, other friends that she's close to, you know. And uh I just like couldn't say it back at first and she was almost teasing me. She's like, I love you, say it back. And I'm just <laughs> like I can't say I love you to anybody that isn't like my partner or my mom right now. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it. So um so I don't know. That's one friendship that's teaching me to be a bit more open again. It's nice to have those people that kind of push you in that way. Yeah, you just see you see things you admire in other people, and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should be more like that. But uh, I don't know. You can't be like that with everybody right away. But but um, I agree. And I think, uh, like, um, it's important that it be authentic, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you're not feeling comfortable sharing those feelings – with somebody then it's not the time to share them yet maybe yeah and you do see a lot of people who are who are always professing their love for everybody around them and mm -hmm. saying they're like best friends with everyone, everyone. <laughs> and maybe it's genuine maybe they feel it but i just feel like uh i don't know i, I used to think that uh there's a lot of rhetoric out there about love and how it's this limitless emotion that is um like there's no cap to it and you have enough for everybody and, and I'm just like I don't know maybe it is more of a finite resource than we realize there's that like universal love you can just feel for everybody in the universe mm -hmm. I guess but <laughs> not that I really <laughs> know too much about that but um but it's just like I don't know love uh, as far as like feeling close like really close like to a partner or a friend or like I don't know do you think that's totally limitless do you think you could feel that for 70 people in your life like what's the cap do you think i don't know i think it might be different for every person hmm. like i get what you're saying about the kind of like universal love that you can just have for humanity in general of like we're all people and all deserving of love and so i feel a certain amount of love for every person um but then i don't know i like i feel like i'm in a place right now where i am very lucky to have a great wealth of people who I feel lots of love for mm -hmm. in my life. How many do you think? Like to put a number on it? Yeah. Oh, geez. I don't know. Is that weird? Um, like, uh, I, okay. Well, I would have like my close inner circle of mm -hmm. people, which is maybe like five people who are like at the very center of my life. Uh, and I feel lots of love for those people. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, a very close to that, like, slightly outer circle mm -hmm. uh, of people who I, friendships that I've collected over the years, you know, um, friends who maybe I don't see often. Maybe I see these people, like, once every six months, once a year, um, but have known them for a long time or feel very connected to them in a way that the distance between the times that we see each other doesn't really affect the relationship mm -hmm. um and there would be maybe like five to ten of those and then they're just more and more rings as we get farther out um but i would say i don't know i have love for a lot of people at least 30 people for sure 30 to 40 people maybe yeah and that must have a big impact on your overall well-being right it does and the more the more people that i collect and feel connected to like that the better i feel mm -hmm. <clears throat> i feel like i i haven't always had as many of those people mm -hmm. um that the number seems to be like growing over time and i think like the last couple of years i've really put like a concentrated effort into letting people in more because mm -hmm. i think Despite the fact that, like, I am a very, like, feely person and and stuff, and I'm, like, you know, friendly and social and stuff, but I'm, at the same time, I can be pretty guarded mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of stuff, uh, particularly, like, letting people see when things are not going well. Like, if uh, I'm not in a good spot, I isolate, you know? Like, I don't want to show 
weakness or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the last couple of years, I've made more of an effort to try and let people see the weaknesses and like let people see me when I'm breaking down. And mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, I had kept those walls up and kept people away from that stuff for so long because I was afraid that it would lead to losing people or losing loss of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's had the opposite effect of like now that I let people see the cracks a little bit more, I people are closer to me. Mm-hmm. and uh, like it's bonding mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah for sure I don't know one thing that I've just been reflecting on again especially since since becoming friends with with Carolina it's like again observing things you admire in other people I'm like here's somebody that invests a lot in her friendships mm-hmm. you know she she knows you have a big show coming up or a big event or whatever it, it didn't even if it didn't interest her goes to somebody's pyramid scheme meeting just (laughs) buy some like shit she doesn't need just you know she invests a lot in her in her friendships and i feel like you know they she she gets that back and that's again it made me think about um yeah friends who were really good friends and um you know again don't see them that often but we do it's really good and then i realized like you need to put work into these relationships. You mm. need to make time. You need to meet up with them, even if you're tired after work. Or um, especially starting comedy got so easy to build my whole social life around that yeah. because you're either going to shows or you know. And um, again, you know that you have to put the work into romantic relationships. You know you have to have your date night. You know you have to carve out time to just be together. And- yeah, talk about your feelings. Know when. The relationship is more about them for a little bit while, for mm. a little while, and then they step up and support you when it's more about you for a little while. And I was just like, there are people that mean so much to me, but I didn't. I mean, work sounds like negative because work sounds like something that isn't fun, but obviously, like, it's the most like joyful like kind of work you can do. Mm. And I'm like, you need to put effort and and work into relationships in order to um to have them. I don't know, be really meaningful in your life and and be there for people that matter to you. So just because I I just observed this behavior, it, I mean, so many other people have probably done it in my life too, but just because she does it in this way that, that was so, um, I don't know, it was so obvious to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, here's somebody that puts so much effort into her, into her friendships and her relationships. It was like, oh, I'd like to be like that. And like, yeah. maybe that's what's missing for some of those friends where it's like, oh my god you know been friends for nine years but you had twins and I've only come to see Mm -hmm. them twice or you know like you like one of my best best friends it's like he's been with his girlfriend for two or three years I've met her once it's Mm -hmm. like this guy's important to me and that's the most important person in his life like what am I doing but it's it's just so easy to get wrapped up in my romantic relationship Mm -hmm. my job and doing comedy I feel like as you get older, uh, you uh, have so much less time, mm-hmm. less free time. So it becomes more and more difficult to uh, budget out that time mm-hmm. for all of the things that you, you know, have to be doing just for like daily life maintenance stuff. And then the time allotted for work, the time allotted for a uh, romantic relationship. And then to try and find the time for all of the people that you want to invest your time with mm-hmm. it's really difficult and uh, like I think of it a lot like um with uh, talking about how in comedy you can kind of end up having your whole social life just be comedy I feel like it's sort of like when you're a kid and you go to school you know like maybe you have a bunch of friends at school who maybe you don't even hang out with them outside of school but they're your friends and you see them at school and so there's still some time invested in those relationships because you go to school every day mm-hmm. Right. So for us, it's like we're going to comedy shows all the time. So we see people there and then that kind of fills our social need. Yeah. And then you might not feel that kind of deficit when you're at home because you've had some social time. So you may not think to budget out time for all of these other people who are outside of your comedy life mm-hmm. who like you don't go to the same school as, you know. Yeah. Or like because there's <laughs> like a lot of them are people I used to work with. Mm-hmm. So like it was easy, you know, and then you move jobs and then. Yep. And then, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, what if I stopped doing comedy? You know, I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. some people, maybe I'd still, if 
I'd have to put the effort in to, to see those friends. But it's just, you know, it's easier because you, you're just doing the same social things. So I'm thinking a lot about that and how to approach it. And I guess if I've ever brought it up with a friend who has been a friend for years, but I see once every six months and I, I try to um, do a spiel about wanting to put the effort in, they just, they're just like, look, we're... <laughs> like we're, we're friends okay. we don't need to yeah. talk about it or or um i think if you try to apologize to it makes it think it makes it seem like they didn't have anything going on mm-hmm. and all they've been doing is sit around waiting to talk to you but um so it's it's a kind of a weird thing to address like when when i was away the other week like i saw a friend really really good friend for the first time in two years i mean she flew all the way from dublin to just have two days with me in Berlin mm. because because that's where I wanted to go on vacation instead of going to see her. Yeah. And I was just like, she did it, no problem. We just picked up where we left off. We had a great time. And I'm like, wow, how many people have friends, me or other people, that they barely see because you live in the West End and they moved to Scarborough or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm where like, you're like in the same city as yeah. somebody and you, and you barely see them. I'm like, this girl dropped everything to get on. I mean, I know it's a lot closer once you're but it's not that close mm-hmm. it's like she got on a plane to come see me just because i'm like i'm on the same continent as you it's a big meaningful gesture yeah and it was like it was so it was it was so great so i'm just like you know that that's a relationship that's that's harder to have the same kind of facetime because yeah. it's uh long distance but um but it made me think like Oh, there's a friend that I don't see that often because she lives by Kipling Station. <laughs> I don't like, I'm like, okay, well, that's, I mean, that's one subway line. So I feel like it's, it's easy to get in your head though about like what it has to look like for you to put the work in with a friend mm-hmm. and that you, if you feel like you don't have enough time to give them or you can't make a, a gesture that's the size of flying from Dublin to Berlin that uh, you just don't do anything and I think that there's a lot of value in just checking in with a friend like even through a text message mm-hmm. every once in a while like I have a few friends like that close friends who maybe we don't get to see each other face to face very often and we acknowledge that like our friendship is strong enough that it's fine if time passes and we both understand like we've got our own lives going on but we'll occasionally check in and just be like, hey, friend, just thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you? Yeah. And you, you know, you never know if that's like a random nice text for someone to get or you never know if that's the thing that they really needed. That yeah. Day. Every once in a while you do reach out randomly or whatever. And, and you and you end up finding out like this is the per- this is the exact time this person really needed you or sometimes you reach out and it's a little bit late you realize they've had something going on and I feel like that guilt of maybe being I don't feel like I've been a bad friend I just feel like maybe I've been a lazy friend to so I think many a lot of us are lazy friends yeah and I, and I feel like the guilt of like kind of paralyzes me into mm. just being just doing not better. reaching out at all <laughs> yeah just doing better than I had before and um I, it's not like I think I'm doing anybody any favors being their friend it's just like but I find those relationships so rewarding once I reconnect so it's it makes your life more full and well-rounded and you know people you know from different periods of your life like keeps you grounded and Mm -hmm. you're like oh there's really something special too about those like many years long friendships Mm -hmm. especially like at this age like people who have known you like 10 years who saw you like through your 20s mm-hmm. and stuff which are such a weird and, <laughs> and eventful yeah. time for everyone those are people who know you in ways that no one who meets you now will ever be able to know you mm-hmm. that like you can tell somebody about your past or you know catch them up on like the major events of your life thus far but people who were there with you through those events are going to have a, a different understanding of you as a person. Yeah, it really helps you cultivate a bit of gratitude, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, people that I reconnect with now who knew me when I was in my 20s, and I really look back and romanticize that time and erase a lot of this stuff, but, like, there was a lot of struggle in those years. I mean, I was very 
very broke. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know. I wasn't doing comedy or have any kind of creative outlet. I was really lost in my career and had no idea what the future held. You know, like I was, I don't think I was really like drinking any more than anybody in their 20s was, but I was like binge drinking and smoking cigarettes and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just not treating myself that well. What was my point? Oh yeah, and um, I don't know when they, and then they get to see you now. Not like, oh, I have it all figured out now and I'm perfect, but it's just like, well, I have come a long way with things. Like, yeah, it gives you gratitude for the place that you're in now. Yeah, and and you can have a perspective on them that you see them in a way they don't see themselves. Mm-hmm. Like my my friend in Dublin or, or or whoever. I'm just like, look at you now. Like, look at you. You're really like, you know, you're doing this. You're doing that. You really made it. Like, you're really killing it. And they don't. They're just living day to day. They don't see how much. Yeah, people aren't able it. to zoom out that way and uh, be able to celebrate themselves as much. Yeah. So there's something to, like, if if somebody can't celebrate for themselves, celebrate for them. Yeah, and they're <laughs> really, like, they really realize, oh, my life is cool. I am doing some great things, and things aren't perfect, but I have made a lot of progress in this or that area of my life. And I'm, I always, um, I don't know, pe- with people I like or I'm friends with, I kind of end up putting them on a pedestal so I really I really tend to see them in a in a see, like see the positives first mm-hmm. and um it is cool to see people that you were young and bro- <laughs> broke with it <laughs> not like we're all rich now or anything but I mean we can like you know buy cheese that isn't on sale <laughs> if we really want to you know that is the marker of wealth <laughs> you know what I mean just just like I can go and whatever cheese your heart desires I can buy a $19 pair of jeans from H&M if I have ripped my last pair of jeans mm-hmm. w- without like without worrying <laughs> you, yeah or just just stuff like that I mean maybe I should set my standards <laughs> higher but like really just being able to buy a pair of jeans or something fancy at the grocery without even mm. thinking about it or a pair of new shoes or something yeah i bought a warm winter coat last winter like a 200 dollar. that's a big coat. one and i'm just like oh um now i'm not in hell all winter yeah you don't there's a there are a couple of things like that that you don't realize what a difference yeah it makes it until you I don't have experience to wear it four hoodies underneath yeah. my coat in order like you know what I mean? So my current winter coat is the first like actual good winter coat that I have ever had in my entire life. And it's life changing. It is life changing. I, I know that most of your listenership <laughs> is based in uh, St. Lucia and Bermuda and <laughs> other other tropical locations. So maybe maybe this this isn't resonating with you guys. <laughs> but like, yeah, winter in Toronto without a good winter coat. Like, is a nightmare. And you just enjoy life. Like, now I'm walking around High Park Mm -hmm. in the middle of winter. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, I'm really getting off track. But, but, uh, yeah, just connecting with people like that. And having gratitude. For sure. Gratitude's such a a a game changer. Like, you're saying, like, oh, and maybe I need to raise my standards a little (laughs) higher because you're feeling gratitude for being able to buy a pair of jeans when you rip one but that's for real like that's where you should be practicing gratitude is in all of those little things for sure like I I don't know I I just I do feel good about that stuff and and if and anybody I mean I'm sure I wasn't even struggling as hard as many people but it's like you know when you've struggled when you've been poor when you've gone to the ATM having drinks with friends and realize you only have 17 dollars in your account so Mm -hmm. you're like oh I'm actually just gonna go home because you don't want anyone to know what a broke loser you are it's hard because like uh like I'm still pretty broke I mean I'm a comedian you know (laughs) so like I'm not I'm not rolling I'm like a seller that has a day job but I try to be grateful for this is the best financial situation I have been in even if it's not great Mm -hmm. uh I have gratitude for where I'm at right now because this is the most secure and stable that I've been my whole life. Like I grew up really poor mm-hmm. and um, had maintained <laughs> that poverty. <laughs> so yeah. like, so things like being yeah. able to like buy this winter coat that I have, you know, like that was a big deal for me. Oh. It was like this is the first time like I all of the clothes that I had when I was growing up were like hand-me-downs that came in a garbage bag you know yeah like <laughs> sure. I know about that like oh my god the, this one year 
I was about to start grade six and I got a hand-me-downs, but it was all um, Le Chateau. Mm. It was from some teenager that um, had Le Chateau, which for some reason I thought Le Chateau was like Jean-Paul Gaultier or yeah. something. Like I thought <laughs> it was like really expensive clothes and just being able to go into grade six with like um, like these, these clothes, <laughs> like I felt... Because nobody else knew they were hand-me-downs. That mm-hmm. was like the best hand-me-downs. I don't even know that. Shout out to you, whoever you are. Some <laughs> girl that's like, six, some woman that's 16, six mm-hmm. years older than me, living her life somewhere. She doesn't know how much her Le Chateau hand-me-downs meant to me. Yeah. Going to a school dance with like this satin mandarin collar top and crimped <laughs> hair. Oh, you better believe I was feeling myself. <laughs> and that's how I try to feel every day. Now. Yeah. But, um, but... I mean, yeah, friendships. Mm-hmm. Telling people you appreciate Telling them. Telling people you appreciate them. It's going to feel like a bag of Le Chateau hand-me-downs. Yes, it will. <laughs> also, like, I feel like we get really in our head about um, sharing positive things with other people because it, it's vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Like, we feel like we're putting ourselves... In a, in a position to be rejected or something like that. Yeah, I feel like you always have to play it cool. Like, you can't tell anybody what they mean to you because... Because then they won't think you're cool anymore. Yeah. And it's like, if you do, you have to do it in this, like, big, insincere way, but... Or it's like, what if what if I feel more for somebody than they feel for me? That's the big fear, I think. I think, uh, just in general, I've been thinking about this a lot, about how... Um, there's so much fear that's connected to love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the more love you feel for a person, the more fear you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just getting over that fear or like expressing things anyway. Right? Like the if you're trying to tell a friend or somebody in your life how much you care about them and appreciate them, the more you care and appreciate about <laughs> appreciate yeah. them the more fearful you might be about expressing that fully and honestly. And it's so easy to get to get like kind of cynical and um twisted about it cuz there's someone who um wasn't just like this to me but emphatically was like basically showing me I want to be friends with you. Mm-hmm. And I and my initial attitude is like I just approached it with suspicion. Yeah. I think I, I did say something to my boyfriend like oh, oh, this person was acting like this. And and he was like, sounds like they just want to be friends with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is wrong with me that, you know, so my attitude changed. And now this person is really, a, like a really good new friend. Yeah. I, I'm like, why did I react? With, because I was just reacting the way I, I think somebody else would re- would react if I emphatically was like, hey, I think you're great. I like being around you. Mm-hmm. We have common interests. We get along. Let's spend more time together. Yeah. Or or let's, like, show enthusiasm for one another whenever we're in the same room. Like, it, so it was all, like, weird projecting. But I'm glad I let my guard down because n- now I have this nice new friendship instead yeah. of just acting like a total, um, it's like, where does that show where my self-esteem is at, too, if I'm judging somebody because they want to be friends with me (laughs) at the same time i feel like um yeah i uh, have been trying to be more that person i think in recent years the person who is like i feel a connection to you like let's have a friendship Mm. um because i think for a lot of years uh i had a lot of friendships in my life that weren't necessarily healthy friendships Mm -hmm. like friendships with people who were like taking a lot from me or there was like a lot of emotional labor involved in these friendships that I wasn't really getting back from them mm-hmm. and I it it may I realized when I started to like look at these friendships that what was happening was that I wasn't picking any of my friends I was only waiting to be picked by somebody else. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I ended up in all of these friendships where like the only people I was friends with were people who were pushing really hard to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't actually making any selection of the people that were in my life. It was just whoever fights the hardest to be my friend. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that will end up being my friend. (laughs) 
Oh, so a lot of strong personalities. Yeah, <laughs> and it ended up being, like, not the healthiest situation. And that's not to say that the people who were pushing to be your friend aren't good people. That's not what I'm getting at. Well, but what I'm getting at is that, like, be that person back. Like, when you see when you see somebody who you want to be friends with, pick a friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't we- just w- wait. Bec- I think for me it was that I was, like, I don't know, it's probably, like, stupid elementary school stuff, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, oh, I need to be, like, really sure that somebody likes me. Yeah. Yeah, because you do have those, like, those grade school things where, mm-hmm. like, you have your group of friends and then the next day you've all decided not to talk to somebody or they have all decided not yeah. to talk to you. Yeah. But I, I feel like when you are confronted with somebody's enthusiasm, like, you have nothing to fear if you are confident that... um you know and know how to establish your own boundaries yes so which i absolutely at that point in my life did not (laughs) i had no sense of boundaries so it would scare you then because you're just like if somebody ends up being too intense or needing too much from me i'll i'll just have to to roll with it yeah um but but if if you're confident that you know how to set those boundaries I mean, and this person that showed enthusiasm has never once transgressed any kind of Yes, no, I, was, I want to be clear. I'm not, I was yeah. not saying that. No, 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 but I'm saying, um, like, maybe I wouldn't have even worried about it if I knew, like, if I felt confident that, mm-hmm. you know, and then, then you don't know where other people are at, but hopefully they know where their boundaries are too. So if, if you show enthusiasm or, or want to take up more of their time than they have available to you, like, hopefully... They'll just tell you and, you know, nobody's feelings are going to get hurt or anything. Like, what's the worst that's really going to happen? I feel like we also get into a place where we feel like we aren't deserving of things. I feel like that's a pretty common headspace. So when somebody is pushing to be your friend and you're treating it with suspicion, there's probably an element of that that's like, well, I'm not deserving of this level of attention and enthusiasm so there must be something else behind this other than a genuine interest in me as a person Mm -hmm. yeah maybe i wonder if other people think about (laughs) they're just naturally making friends and thinking (laughs) tracy and elizabeth have put a lot of thought into this but you know when you have had um everything from I, i don't know i just think about my school days yeah toxic friendships with strong personalities and then um you know, times where you let people down because you like I have definitely haven't always been a good friend to people, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like the more experiences like that, the more shy you get about it. But I don't know. Something so I've had so much uh, anxiety and neurosis around being in my 30s and being older and this and that. But like I am starting to embrace it because you just don't worry about as much. Yeah. You just feel more free and. You just realize, like, I don't know. I'm just at the very be beginning fine. of my 30s, and uh, it's oh, it already feels a million times better than my 20s did for me. Oh, yeah. I think I was there for your 30th yes, birthday. Yes, you were. And you, and you didn't seem to have any. Um, I keep asking people when they turn 30 if if they feel bad, and people are like, no, I feel, I feel <laughs> good. Don't, pr- don't project. That was, like, I think hands down the best birthday I've ever had was that 30th mm. birthday. Yeah, you didn't have any any hang-ups about it. Not at I, all. I was I really like, admire. 20s, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I never want to see you again. Into the 30s. I know, it's so easy to forget all the pain of your 20s and just be like, Not but for I was me. young. <laughs> I, was, oh. I feel like you you said that you romanticize your, your 20s a bit and kind of like edit out the the pain and stuff like that. I feel like it's the complete opposite for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that like... What is most apparent when I look back at my 20s is, like, the traumas and, like, and pain and, like, emotional turmoil of that time. I feel like that's what stands out most in my mind. It was just, I guess for me, what I romanticize about it is there's, there wasn't a a decade in my life where I felt like there was such radical change. Mm -hmm. Like, from the beginning of that decade to the end. And that's true. And so much... I mean, because really, I mean, you're 20, you're basically still a teenager. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're in school, maybe you're not. I was, you know, um, t- to the end. And, and I guess it's, it's like, we will keep growing and changing, but I wonder if it will ever be that rapid, that transformative, that ever again. But again, yeah, I do forget about all the pain that goes with that <laughs> growth. 
though. So I feel like the last couple of years of my 20s were the like from maybe 25 to 30, that last half of my 20s was definitely, like you said, like the most rapid change that I've seen in myself. I feel like um, up to that point, it was just sort of like repeating the same thing over and over again or Mm -hmm. uh, not having enough self-awareness to be able to figure out how to pull myself out of situations. Mm -hmm. And then it was that last five years was like cultivating that self-awareness and figuring out what I was doing to contribute to my environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm like kind of freed of a lot of that stuff. I'm not like all the way there, but Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I am in a better place now uh, than I have ever been. Well, you do have a self-help themed podcast (laughs) and live show. (laughs) To be clear though, like (laughs) I get in my head a little bit about this. Mostly what this is, is like, I was really not okay, and now I am much more okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what this is about. Like, I'm not, like... <laughs> I was actually listening to, like, an earlier episode this morning to just kind of prepare. We're listening in the car with my partner, and he's like, he's like, this is a good idea to do this podcast for comedians because they probably <laughs> need it the most. He's not a comedian, by the way, so it's actually very rude of him to say that. But... Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we probably do need it. Yeah, I feel like um, it's a specific sampling uh, of people, but it is relatable beyond us. Like, I feel like the thing about comedians is that it's our job to look at ourselves mm-hmm. from the outside. So I feel like um, comedians are a little bit more introspective or um, vocal about their findings. When they look at themselves. Mm -hmm. Definitely willing to share more than the average person. Mm -hmm. But then also the funny thing is, is like I find with comedians, some of us are really, really open and really like totally willing to open up and share all of our thoughts and feelings about ourselves and our inner world. And then there's another side of comedians where they are so guarded and, um, to have so many walls uh, mm-hmm. that it's really hard to break through them. Well, I've never met um, a community of people who are more open about being in therapy. Yeah. It's a real... Um, I I don't know how you feel about this, but it is a, there's still a real stigma around it mm-hmm. in most areas. In, in my day job, it's funny because we were just talking about our benefits and we kind of brought up that we'd like more more money in the benefits for therapy. I, I have very good benefits package. Mm-hmm. It's just one area where it's lacking. And, um, well, I'm buying, like, cheese not on sale. I have <laughs> benefits. Yeah, I am flexing on this podcast. But um, And I was like, I can't believe it was me and someone else that brought it up. I'm, I'm not in therapy, but i definitely consider it if I had a bit more coverage. And I'm like, I can't believe we even let our boss know that we're interested in therapy. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, maybe it's fine, but I've just always felt like, you know, you take a sick day and you tell someone you had diarrhea that day. We all know it was a mental health day. We all have taken them and we all need them. But none of us would say, I I just need a mental health day. Like, it's like you have to go through the drama of lying about, I think I ate something. Mm. Because clearly you show up to work the next day and you're totally fine. I've never felt like I could be open about, um, not not that I really do have an ongoing mental health issue, but I think I feel like, you know, just like everyone, I um, would probably be better off if I was in therapy or whatever, right? I'm a big fan of therapy. Yeah. Um, but co- comedians are the only people where, People and doesn't didn't really matter what their background is or what gender they're like they're all very open about being mm-hmm. in therapy I, and it was almost like um, uh, like pleasantly so but like shocking like I couldn't believe people were just talking about it without being embarrassed but maybe I'm sheltered maybe there are other groups of people or maybe maybe this there's not as much stigma around this as I think but. I think it is changing um, I I agree that I think there 
like we're not all the way there yet like it is still a scary thing to say to your boss hey we should have more benefits for mental health stuff yeah or i mean a couple years ago i was in therapy after a pretty pretty big breakup Mm -hmm. um and the therapist only had available availability during work hours and i stopped seeing her because i didn't feel like i could tell my workplace i have a doctor's appointment yeah any more times than i did because it would just be like you have a doctor's appointment every week every day yeah. every second monday you know what's what's wrong with you um and I, and I just didn't feel like it was an option to tell them oh my this is the only time my therapist can see me mm-hmm. they would just i think it made me think that they're like oh you can't you can't handle stress if something stressful came up at work, you wouldn't be able to handle it because you're in therapy. Yeah. Crying about how your dad stepped on your magna doodle when you <laughs> were five and instead of apologizing, yelled at you for leaving it on the floor. The irony of that is, is that like somebody who is in therapy is probably in a better position to deal with stress because they have a support system completely. and they have and, and a you know, resource. It completely. And it's also because I, I work kind of in one specific area of the television industry. It's like, you know, it's not okay to say you're in therapy, but it is totally okay to go out with coworkers or with clients and get drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, to get drunk to blow off steam. Well, like, it's just weird what's okay and what's yeah. not. The, the, like, the healthy coping mechanisms are stigmatized, and then the unhealthy coping mechanisms are completely normal. Yeah. And maybe it has changed, and I haven't, uh, maybe I'm out of touch, and it is fine to see a therapist or like maybe this is just more me and my fears but um I don't feel like it's just you like I'm very open about being in therapy and like um yeah sometimes people will still be like oh like I didn't know that are you all right (laughs) (laughs) or like it's it surprises them because um like they still have a picture in their mind of like a person who needs to go to therapy is somebody who's like really off the deep end and mm-hmm. I'm like a, a high functioning person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't see, they're like, Oh, I hadn't thought of like a high functioning person being in therapy. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, it, uh, honestly, like everybody should be in therapy. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, and um, I think I can say this. Cause I think she talks about it in her up again. Like, you know, my friend um, went to couples therapy with her partner uh, three months into dating, mm-hmm. so they could learn healthy have- patterns. Yeah, yeah. I th- no, I think that sort of wait again, like we were talking about, instead mm-hmm. of waiting till things are in crisis. Yeah, it's like just to do it before they were in conflict or crisis. I think that couples therapy will be the next wave of that. Of like, I think the stigma around individual therapy is lessening pretty rapidly Mm -hmm. that like now more people are open about it more people are talking about it you don't more people feel like they don't have to be like in a complete breakdown to get help Mm -hmm. um but i think that there is still like a pretty big stigma around couples therapy that like oh my gosh you must be like on the verge of collapse in your relationship if you're going yeah whereas really the better point to go to couples therapy would be well before that point oh totally especially if you see things that are just always areas of conflict in every relationship that you can predict Mm -hmm. like you um i'm really close to my family you're really not yeah so we're gonna have different expectations about the role that family plays in our Mm -hmm. relationship in our life or you know there are some sort of cultural differences between us or we have different communication styles when we're upset. Like mm-hmm. all of those are like the fights that couples have all the time. They're always the same. And you, you think people would be able to avoid it because it's so obvious and it happens over and over. So maybe if you um, just went to a therapist, yeah. like the second you notice, I still, I don't know. So, okay. Conclusion of this podcast. I need to get into individual <laughs> therapy and couples therapy, even though this podcast started out with me saying, I was just lavishing my partner with appreciation. (laughs) Well, even like, even if your couples therapy was you going and lavishing your partner with attention and praise, I feel like you'd still be getting good things out of that. We're like, wow, that was worth 
ninety dollars <laughs> yeah. for sure. It's like we could have a spa weekend, or we could just mm. sit on, um, you know, this person's couch and look at their collection of crystals and just. <laughs> it's a very specific therapist that you're going to. I know. <laughs> I, again, it's like there shouldn't be any stigma. And then I went straight, and then to, you like, went straight negative to crystals, ster- st- negative stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm still uh, working on uh, not being judgmental, bitch. Too. <laughs> I know I sound pretty woke throughout this broadcast, but <laughs> I don't know. Oh boy, yeah. So tell people you appreciate them. Tell people that you care about them. Reach out to friends that you haven't talked to in a long time, yeah. even if. Even if all the time that you have to give them is just the time that it takes to send a text message. Yeah, totally. And don't wait till you're in conflict with someone to... Mm-hmm. Um, to focus on bettering the relationship and the communication between you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, because that's everything. And that's how you have a like a long-lasting relationship with any person is by keeping the communication open and checking in on how things are going. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we end by me giving the guest a genuine compliment. Uh-oh. Is it that my skin looks flawless? <laughs> Your skin does look flawless. Yeah. How do you deal with compliments usually? Mm, you look Like tense. any comic? Yeah. <laughs> with, like, uh, immediate self-deprecation. Okay, I'll l- just try to let it wash over me. Like, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, just absorb it. Okay. Um, I really enjoy being around you. I enjoy every time that we get to hang out. I think that you are an intelligent and thoughtful person. I think that you're a talented writer. And your eyebrows went up really high when I said that. Um, I feel like you exhibit so much less ego than almost any other comedian that I know. Oh, wow. That you are like a very talented person and very humble um and uh, that uh you just have a very the the energy around you is uh, like I feel like I can be really relaxed around you. I don't tense up, which I do around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um I just feel very comfortable around you. I've had every time we hang out, I feel like we have a wonderful conversation and I come away from it feeling recharged. In a way, so that would be my compliment to you. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Good. I'm going to just let that sit. Yeah. I'm not going to make a joke. Yep. And I'm not going to... Just gonna, absorb it. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'll write you a long email compliment <laughs> later because I feel like I should just... Take just it let in. it sit. Okay. And listeners, go be nice to yourself and the other people who you haven't talked to in a while. And remember that love is everywhere.